0: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and A member FDIC.
1: This is the Blue White Breakdown, the premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown. Brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Bob Flounders and Johnny McGonagall. All right, Johnny McGonigal, it's blue-white breakdown time, and we're going to try something a little different today. It's Monday, 1.36, and we are live. We're going live, Johnny, I think, for the first time. I'm excited to do it. Obviously, there's a reason we're going live. No more Mike Yurcich at Penn State. James Franklin just met with the media up in State College to talk about that, and, of course, he was he was hell-bent on you know getting some Rutgers questions that were never going to come, but, Johnny... It's good to be doing this live with you. We have a lot to get to. Hopefully, the fact that we're going live, if you guys have any questions for us, let us know. If you want to join our tech subscriber base, number to call, number to call is 201-555-0123. Johnny, it was a crazy Sunday, right? Usually that's a day of rest for most people on earth, but James Franklin uh, made a pretty bold decision. I, I, I wasn't surprised that he fired Mike Gersuch. I was surprised by the timing of it. And uh, what do you make of it?
0: Yeah, Bob, it's interesting because this is something that James has never done. You know, he's fired two coordinators before, and John Donovan, what a blast of the past that was, uh, and and Kirk Soraka. Uh, both of those happen after the season, even when it's come to position coaches being dismissed. It's been after the season. But you could argue that, yeah, while Rutgers and Michigan State in a bowl game is still on Penn State's schedule, that... For all intents and purposes, you know, for a team program that had Big Ten title hopes, that had college ball playoff hopes and national title hopes, that those dreams are dead and that part of the season is already over with losses to Ohio State. And then on Saturday uh, to Michigan and the offense really held Penn State back in both of those games. I know you wrote extensively about why this had to happen, this being Mike Yurcich being fired, uh, just the nuts and bolts of it, 27 points in those two losses five of 30 on third down. I believe it was around 3.8 yards per play. Uh, And, you know, in those two games, Drew Aller, the five-star quarterback, he did not shine in either of those performances. Uh, There's a lot that goes into it from an offensive standpoint, but this was a decision that I thought that James had to make as well. And, you know, you might as well do it early. And he was asked about that at his Monday press conference. He was asked about a whole heck of a lot regarding this decision with Mike Yarishich. You mentioned you know him wanting to talk about Rutgers from the jump. You know his opening statement. He mentioned, "Hey, this is this is in the best interest of our program moving forward." Uh would love to, You know, we'll take a couple questions on it, but we'd love to talk about Rutgers. Uh, no one in that press conference Bob, was interested in asking about the Scarlet Knights. Uh, it was all about Mike Yarishich.
1: Yeah, and uh, you know, it's it's uh, it is. It's just always—I mean, you're right. It's a sixth O.C. Just want to reassure the Penn State fans, Johnny. I know you have some—you already have something up on uh, uh, on Penn Live about you know possible candidates. James always has a list. I want to just reassure the Penn State fans. I am—I'm almost a hundred percent sure that John Donovan is not going to come walking through that door again. You guys saw that for two years, and it—it was—it's just not fair to bring him back. I'm joking, but um, yeah, I'm going to have something on Penn Live a little bit later today about. Why Mike Yurcich had to go? Um, you know, you can look, you can talk about stats, and you can look at the big picture and some of the numbers Penn State put up. But some of the some of the performances, specifically against Michigan and the Ohio State game this year, with a team that's going to have some players on this offense, I think have a chance to play. You know, for for quite some time in the NFL, it's inexcusable. It really is. Penn State wasted a great defense. You mentioned the fact that they were Big Ten title contenders, national uh, playoff contenders. And they were really, you know, they were just really, you watch that Ohio State game in October, you watch the Michigan game without Jim Harbaugh, without a passing attack. Uh, and just the, the fact that they were able to win and really Penn State was never really in it because of the offense. It just, it just had to happen. I don't think, Johnny, I don't think James was particularly thrilled to hear the Boo Birds either coming off the field against beaver stadium he said that wasn't a factor but um he's a human being i think he sensed the mood i'm sure james wasn't happy johnny but he sensed the mood of the fans and if he had already made up his mind he was going to push the button sooner rather than later after that
0: yeah being on the sidelines for the final five minutes of that game bob provided some great commentary imagery whatever you want to call it for the, the story that i wrote after the game F bombs, expletives, insults. Uh, you know, someone told James to go look for a job at East Stroudsburg, <laughs> his, his alma mater. I don't think that job is open. Uh, but you know, that was kind of the tenor uh, in Beaver Stadium on Saturday afternoon after Penn State lost to Michigan twenty-four to fifteen. Another loss to Michigan. Franklin is now three and seven against the Wolverines, one and nine against Ohio State. He mentioned that the decision to fire yursich a big part, a quote-unquote big part of that decision was Penn State's inability to make that you know, jump to close the gap on those two teams in the Big Ten East. Now, of course, divisions are going by the wayside next year in the new Big Ten. A 12-team playoff cannot come soon enough for Penn State, but heading into that, having a new coordinator, uh, you know, orchestrate an offense that will still have Drew Aller, a quarterback, Nick Singleton, Catron Allen at running back for their junior seasons. Uh, you know, some pieces on the offensive line and 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 throughout that unit, really. Uh, and certainly they'll be hitting the transfer portal this offseason. You know that, especially at wide receiver. But there's plenty to still work with on this offense. And Mike Yersuch just, you know, he couldn't get it done. Uh, and, you know, it's interesting because you know you watch the TV copy. And, you know, the offense isn't clicking. You just feel it on some drives when they get the ball. I still go back to that Ohio State game where they got the ball at the 50-yard line after that muffed punt by the Buckeyes, and they don't, they're do not they not able to even threaten the score uh, from that point. It just felt like whether you were in the press box, in the stands, watching at home on your couch, that this Penn State offense just didn't have it uh, when it mattered most this year.
1: Yeah. Jody, I want to get to something that I just picked up on right away, and I de- I I feel like after watching James for 10 years, um, he said something and I think he was really mad about it, but he just he was very, very calm about it. You know, James played quarterback at East Harrisburg, as we all know. He is a CEO. It's his world at Penn State. He's he's got his hands in everything. He was at O.C. at Maryland. He's been all over the country. He knows what goes into the job. He does not. One thing he does not like, Johnny, I think, is being ignored. Uh, he was asked about, I think, after the game, and I think even before that, he has talked about, you know, Penn State not being able to get Drew Aller comfortable early in the games, maybe get, creating some easy throws to get him confidence and maybe make the make, maybe make the defense kind of uh, rethink maybe their approach. Easy throws, I think, is what uh, the question was. James was asked about it really early in the press conference, and I don't want to bore the, the listeners with his response. But James said, you know, I've had a lot of conversations about what we can do to make Drew Aller's life and the offense's life easier, especially at the start of games. And he basically said all those conversations with Mike Yerfitch, uh were all but ignored. I think Mike called the game he wanted to call and not the game maybe that James felt... He should be calling. And I think when you when you take that tact, and you're Mike, you're such you've had success at other schools at Oklahoma State, a little bit at Ohio State, even though I think Ryan Day was the play caller. And at Texas, if you choose that path against the good teams and it does not work, it's gonna come back and bite you. I, I thought that was pretty telling that James admitted to that. And I I do think there was some friction there. Um, not only this year, but you look back, he said some stuff about Mike Yersuch, uh Mike Yersuch in 2021, when they lost six games, and he said so. I know he said some things about it last year. I think this was a sticking point, and I think that James, James, thought, "Hey, if we're gonna if we're gonna win, and you can do it your way, but if we better win, and if we don't win and we get embarrassed, it's gonna be a problem."
0: Definitely, I go back to I mentioned being on the sidelines for the final five minutes of the game. That's what you know, they they allow reporters to come down for the press box and do that, and the post game scene. You know, after you know James has his you know a few handshakes and everything, he stood there on the field and just was just staring out into the abyss. I don't know if he was thinking about Mike Yursich in that moment, but he had his arms crossed, just staring you know into the skies or up in the stands for a handful of minutes, just not moving, no no reaction, no facial expressions or anything. And then he goes in to an emotional and hurt locker room, talks to his team, and then comes and talks to us. And you mentioned the comments that he had about the play calling and getting a quarterback into rhythm and doing a better job in that area. He was not asked specifically about Mike Yurcich. He was asked specifically about Drew Aller and his performance. And his first thing he said was, we have to do a better job calling a game to help our quarterback. And it was in that moment, Bob, that you, know, you, you mentioned maybe being a little surprised that, it, that Yursich's dismissal came on Sunday, not after the season. Uh, I, I know a lot of fans were surprised, too, just with how James has handled his business from that standpoint over the years. But in that moment, when he's asked about his quarterback and immediately goes and says, hey, the play calling was a problem, that's when it clicked for me. I, I was, I, I better get home.
1: Short timer. Early. He's a short timer.
0: Yeah, I was like, I better get home, you know, to Philly early on Sunday. you <laughs> ready for something like this. Because, And sure enough, it came. Uh, and, and yeah, and James said at that point, too, in terms of, you know, um, the decision and why now, uh, first of all, he said it was his decision that, you know, yes, he ran, he has to run those things up the ladder, you know, with Pat craft, the athletic director, but he said it was his decision. Um, and he said, why now you know, it's something that he doesn't take lightly, but if you feel like that's the, you know, where you're going to go, the direction you're going to go, he said, he's not great at faking it. And he wants to be transparent and upfront. And if you get to a point where you feel like that's the right decision, then you make it. You don't delay the decision. And so I commend him for that. Uh, and, and it does give him more time now uh, to reach out to coaches, whether they're guys who are in the NFL or in college you know, who will or won't be going to a bowl game, You know, quarterbacks, coach, coordinators, whatever uh, the situation may be, head coaches in college, maybe. Um, He's going to be starting to to do his due diligence, right? He has a list. He said he has a list. And he, now over the next couple of weeks, uh, while still coaching this team and making sure you beat Rutgers and beat Michigan and get ready for a bowl game, it's making sure you get the right coordinator in, the sixth offensive coordinator in what will be his 11th season as Penn State's head coach. He's got to get this right. He has to get this higher right, Bob. It's It's of utmost importance. Uh, to to his future, to Penn State's future as it goes into the 2024 season. Um it, it, it's a it's a big hire. And every hire, every coordinator hire is always big. And in an ideal world, he said that uh it would be great if a situation falls in his lap like Manny Diaz did. Uh when Manny was you know dismissed from Miami and James called him. Manny was interested. They got him hired before the bowl game and had him around the team and all that. Uh In an ideal world, that will happen with the offensive coordinator as well. But you don't know how this is going to play out. It, he could have a hire in two weeks. He could have a hire in two months. Preferably the former rather than the latter.
1: Yeah, and you said he's got to get it right. He's only gotten it right once, Johnny. He he, and I I I don't know that he was his first choice, but he got it right with Joe Moorhead. But you look at you know just for whatever reason, um, he you know he he. You, you could make the argument, Johnny, that, I don't know, did Kirk Shiraka get a fair shot during the COVID year when he never got a chance? He never really got a chance on the field to get, get the 2020 team ready. They were basically installs on Zoom, no time with the kids. Yeah, they were, they were not good at the start of the year. I think they started 0-5. They lost a heartbreaker at Indiana. And it just kept getting worse and worse. They had to play Ohio State early. They Iowa got them. They did win their last four games. There was a little bit of momentum. They had some players coming back. And he, the minute, the minute he had a chance, he he leapt at the opportunity to get Mike Yursich here. And it just didn't go well. So I think if you're a fan, Johnny, you're like, does this guy know what the who the right offensive coordinator, you know, really is? Is, is this really? Is this really going to work? The fact that he is—you can make the argument—he's one for five uh, as as that's the batting average for the first uh, five. I mean, Ricky Ronnie. I mean, the Ohio State game is going to haunt him. You know, Kirk only got one year. He brought John Donovan with him. Uh, Mike Yursich—you look back at uh, on his his you know thirty-six games or whatever it is at Penn State—it's not going to be. It's not going to be a fond memory, Johnny. So I just—it is. This—he's got to get it right, right? But he hasn't really got it right before. So I think there's a little bit of concern, um, Johnny, on the on the on the uh, from the Penn State fan front. I didn't want to bring up. We got a question from our live audience, and I want to ask it uh, to you. I'm not going to bother with the name of the person that's asking it because it's too. I don't know if it's a first initial of the first name and then the last name run together. Here is here it is. Uh, Franklin is admittedly heavily involved in the offense. So what specifically is he looking to change? That's the question. Well, I think you mentioned Joe Moorhead
0: and the success that he had in 2016 and 2017. And I think it's fair to say that Franklin was the least involved or the most hands-off when Moorhead was running the offense as compared to the other coordinators uh, offensive coordinators that have been in place at Penn State. Uh, I go back to being at practice last week. You know, again, it's only like a 15 minute window that we have Wednesday nights. Um, when you know, he was asked about Chop Robinson too after the practice, how did Chop Robinson look ahead of the Michigan game? And he said, "Well, yeah, you know, I spent most of my time you know on the offensive side of the ball, so I'll have to go take a look at the film. Like he is he is with the offense for the most of practices and heavily involved in that. Being a former. Quarterback and quarter, you know, wide receivers coach and offense coordinator. Like that, that makes sense. The tracks. Uh, and, and that's gonna continue here, by the way, over the next two regular season games and into a bowl game, uh, without Mike Jurisich, you know, James will be involved. He said a normal amount, but I kind of doubt that a little bit, uh, with Jaywan Sider, the running backs <laughs> coach and tight ends coach Ty Hal sharing coordinator duties uh for the remainder of this season. Uh, James was asked basically who, you know, who's going to be calling plays, like how is that going to work out? And they, they, he said that they're both going to play a role in calling plays. Ty Hal will still be in the booth. Sider will still be on the sidelines, as has been the case this season. Uh, so we'll see who ultimately makes those calls. Uh, Danny O'Brien will be handling the quarterbacks, the highly touted analyst and former college quarterback himself, uh, who has made a really good impression on Drew Aller and the coaching staff this season in particular. But Franklin said he will be in every quarterback's room meeting too, to close this season. So to answer the question is, you know, it depends on who he hires. Is he going to hire uh, maybe an internal guy or or someone who has been here before that he has worked very closely with in terms of the offense and building the game plan and everything? Or is he going to truly entrust someone to come in and take a hands-off approach and allow them to do their thing. Like I think he did more with Joe Moorhead in 2016 and 17. And you look, um, obviously they had a lot of talent on those two teams, but look at the success that they had in those two seasons. I don't think, I think there's a corollary there. I think there's a correlation there. Uh, I do. So we'll see. Uh, We'll see who they ultimately hire. Um, But there, there's going to be some good candidates out there. Like this is a great job. Uh, Mike Yursich was paid well. He was paid very well uh, to to call plays for Penn State over the last three years, and there are going to be a lot of coaches uh, jumping at the opportunity uh, to come work with Drew Aller, uh, and and James is going to have, I think, his pick
1: of of a handful of really good candidates. Yeah, and going back to Moorhead, I know you mentioned him. I think what worked for Moorhead did not work for Mike, and what I mean is Joe had you know, pretty much carte blanche to call what he wanted to call when he wanted to call it. It wasn't always pretty. They weren't great. Right. Cause he's always in the spread. Third and one was always a problem, but they scored points. They had, they had program greats or they became program greats in, in, you know, a big part of the offense, McThorley, Saquon Barkley, Mike is sicky, Chris Godwin for a year. That always helps when, when there's nothing, when, when you need a play, Even if it didn't look good, one of those guys made the play, right? So that that was it. But Mike Yursich, I think, had that kind of authority, and he did not take the ball and run with it, so to speak. And I think James is like, well, you know, that's I'm going to give you some rope. Just don't hang yourself with it. You want you want the authority, you better win. I think Mike did not do that, and I think it was the right call. uh, And I think that he really the 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 data was out there. You could talk about the games they won. It, It really came down to. Ohio State and Michigan. I would also say this, Johnny, two things. I do think at some point, I think I think big picture, Danny O'Brien is somebody that James Franklin wants you know, involved with the offensive side of the football. I know he's a young player, but James likes him. He's spoken very highly of him. I wonder how James is going to try and work Danny moving forward into the offense. I, you know, Danny could get an offer somewhere else. I just wonder... How much James values Danny, not only this year, not only the next couple of games, but moving forward. The other thing I have to say is you can be you could be the best offensive coordinator on the planet, uh, Johnny. If you don't have any wideouts in the, in this day and age, you you're really, you're really up against it. Michigan, God bless them. They were able to say, hey, look, I don't, I don't really care about the passing game. I don't really care. Uh, the fact that we don't have Jim Harbaugh, I don't really care that we're playing in front of 110,000 hostile, plant, hostile uh, fans. We're going to run the ball, and I know it's a good defense. We're going to run the ball. I don't care if it's third and 11. We're going to run the ball. We believe in the offensive lines that good. We believe in the running backs, and they didn't have to score that many points, and I think they knew that too. But without wideouts, and this is by far, by far the worst Penn State wideout room that James Franklin has had. At Penn State I don't I, I there's no there's no question in my mind Stubblefield had to go because I think James knew I think James knew back in January this is going to be this is going to be a struggle against the better teams on the schedule because the cupboard is close to bear Keandre Lambert Smith has had some good gains this year he is not a true number one wideout. he was number three for a while this is his fourth year complimentary piece um, we saw him from the press box uh, against Michigan, he looked discouraged out there. He was not winning one on one. They have to find. They have to find some difference makers to make Drew better, to make the running game better, to make the pass protection better. All I think. I think the the failure this year so far, even though they're eight and two against good defenses, is the defenses knew that they couldn't beat him with the passing game. They just couldn't. And you look at the depth chart. I don't know that there's going to be a wideout that emerges. And I don't know what the transfer portal could bring. So I don't know when this problem is going to go away. Yeah, Bob. One, one quick note
0: on to wrap up the Danny O'Brien part of it and then, and then a little bit more on the receivers. Uh, with, with Danny, they would love to keep him past this season. Like I mentioned, he has impressed Drew Aller and all the quarterbacks in the room. He has impressed James Franklin and the coaching staff. You know, to, to consider him for an offensive coordinator job, I think that's to make to that jump. Uh, to a job of that magnitude is is a pretty hefty leap. Um, yeah, they they did promote Deion Barnes from analyst to defensive line coach, uh, a fellow a fellow younger head co- uh, a younger assistant coach that has shown a lot of promise. So James has done something similar, but uh, offensive coordinator I think is too big of a job uh, to make that jump. But they would love to keep Danny O'Brien involved, and I'm really interested to see how he handles the next month, really, you know, the two regular season games and then bowl prep uh, with Drew, with Bo and with those guys wide receiver. I think a reason why they hired Marcus Hagens in the first place to replace uh, Taylor Stubblefield is because he's known as a developer, you know, in his time at Virginia, not only a relationships based guy, good recruiter, all that kind of good stuff. He took a lot of, two three-star guys that Virginia got and turned them into players who made the NFL. And so I think a part of it, you know, a reason why he was hired the hope from Franklin is that, hey, if, you know, I, I, we don't have the receivers that we've had in years past, uh, but maybe even in the short term, Marcus can come in and try and work his magic and do a job for us and and get these guys to a level where we can beat Ohio State and Michigan with, um, I don't think it's all on Marcus Higgins that those receivers were not there at that level by any means. He's dealt a bad hand. Delt a bad hand. A- absolutely. Um, and looking forward, the portal is going to have to be big. Because unless you're seeing, unless you're legitimately seeing you know, in practice on a daily basis things that we don't see, we only really see sa- Saturdays, unless you are uber confident in guys like Caden Saunders and Amari Evans uh, to take massive steps... Dante Cephas in his second year as a as a transfer or Malik McLean, they're going to have to go get proven targets to really optimize and maximize what you have in Drew Aller and give him a chance because in the Ohio State and Michigan games, whether it was the play calling, which I do think was a big part of it a big reason why Mike Yurcich is no longer in his role, and the wide receivers and the lack of a passing game, lack of separation downfield, lack of communication, everything. I just don't think he's been given – Drew has been given a real fair chance to even beat those teams, uh, and and some of the blame falls at his feet too. I don't want to absolve him of that, and he and he has been the first person to say, like he said after Michigan, I sucked after the uh, or excuse me after the Ohio State game, and then after the Michigan game, he said I didn't play well. So he's willing to take the blame too. Uh, but something had to change on this offense. Something had to change and something still has to change with the talent that they have at wide receiver. And if you're able to hire a really good coordinator and do so early before the transfer portal really hits into high gear uh, around bowl season, you know, I think that that'd be a really good uh, step for James Franklin in this program going into a very important 2024 season.
1: This is the Blue White Breakdown. Johnny, it's a very special Blue-White Breakdown live on YouTube. I hope everyone that's tuned in is enjoying what we're talking about. It's Monday. We're, you know, about 90 minutes removed from James Franklin's presser where he was asked almost exclusively about the offense. <laughs> and he had to know. He know. He's just like, oh, I was really hoping to get more questions about Rutgers. Come on. He, he's just saying that because that's the character he's created, like, one game at a time. It was it was it was I think he was actually probably having a little bit of fun with it, but the fan base doesn't really care
0: that Ruckers oh, I'm, I'm I'm surprised no one asked him about the upcoming Kirk Siraka revenge game. <laughs> Kirk Soraka, for those who might not know, is is Rucker's
1: offensive coordinator. Yeah yeah, he, he is, he is, and uh they t- they it's not it, they're not coming off his finest hour either. They lost 22 to nothing, I think, in Iowa in just a just a drab, dismal. Decimal game. Rutgers has never scored more than ten points in any game against Penn State during its time in the Big Ten. They haven't won a game. They scored forty-nine total points. Penn State scored fifty-five total points in one game last year at Piscataway. They can't score. I know the defense is probably you know a little bit down, but they're they're going to feast against this Rutgers offense that's very predictable. Um, I, I would think the Penn State defense is going to be in a bad mood. I think the Penn State offense has plenty to, pre- to play for. But ultimately, this is really not so much about the present anymore. You know, the, the Big Ten title dreams died a painful death. The college playoff outside shot died a plain, a painful death at home to a team without its head coach and a passing game uh the natives are restless and they should be and i think james is aware of that but the the record against ohio state and michigan is just you you cannot justify it he knows he can't justify it he did give up a little offering and it was the right move in getting rid of mike yursich but the problem the problems are still there and johnny you said it best whoever he hires had better had better deliver because um, the, he he does have a nice record at Penn State, but he does not have a good record against the teams he has to beat. I know that they're not going to play him every year anymore, but there are going to be some good teams on the schedule every year, like every year. And you cannot offensive no-show like this anymore with the talent that he's recruiting. So it's a big hire. James knows it. I'm, I'm really interested to see how it's going to play out. I'm I'm interested to see how many candidates he interviews and I just think that, you know, if he says one more time, we're, we're hunting for big plays and explosive plays and not turning the ball over. We want to score points. You know, that's great when you score 63 points against UMass. You know, it's, that's great and against Delaware. But when you when you have your hands full at home against Indiana and you do this against Ohio State when they don't have Denzel Burke and you do this at home against Michigan when they don't have Jim Harbaugh, Where they looked at it and said, hey, let's just play 1972 football and run it right at him, and we're going to wear him down. Well, that's what you're reduced to. It's not this Mike Yersitz that has a lot of explaining to do. It's James Franklin, and that that cushy contract is nice, but I, I just think that he's really, really, really got to get this right, and if, if it doesn't look different, even without a great wideout next year, <laughs> It's going to be a long year for him at Beaver Stadium just because the fans have had it. I would
0: like to know, Bob, if uh, this is probably something for the offseason when we're not as entrenched in what's going on here right now over the next few weeks. I would like to know how many offensive coordinators have been fired midseason when ranked within the top 15 in scoring offense uh, in the country, averaging, I believe, Penn State's averaging 37 38 points per game and, and like you mentioned right umass delaware you know running it up on maryland and uh, so early in the season when the offensive questions were coming even before ohio state about the lack of explosive plays and and everything james kind of like leaned back on hey like what, what do you want from us we have a you know, we have an identity uh we're, we're putting up points and we saw now what what uh, you, know, this iteration of this offense can do against two of the best defenses in the country, and it's not a lot at all. And by the way, Bob, the early season questions about the explosive plays—boy, boy, did they never get fixed? Because Penn State ranks 130th in the FBS out of 133 or 35 teams uh, in plays of 20 yards or more.
1: I Penn knew, City. I knew, I knew that James was des- desperate about that. I asked him a couple of weeks about it. Uh, and, and I was talking about explosive plays from the running backs and, and those guys, and he interrupted me and said, "Oh, by the way, just so you know, I'm not saying I'm not. I have no problem with the question, but we don't view explosive plays as 20 or more yards. It's 15 in the passing game, and it's 12 in the running game. So then, I a couple of days later, I looked, and they're not even good at those. If that's the criteria, they're not even good at. If those are the measuring sticks, like it doesn't matter. I mean, unless you think explosive plays are five yards or more on the run." And eight yards or more in the passing game, they ain't cutting it.
0: No, no, not at all. I mean, the explosive plays were not there really all season long. Whichever metric or you know, stat, you know, whatever you know range you want to use, 15, 16, 18 yards, twenty yards, whatever, they they were not there uh, all season long. We saw glimpses of what Drew Aller uh, can be against you know, for the most part, inferior composition against superior. Uh, competition or competition that Penn State would like to be on the same level as you know he did not perform well for all the reasons that we've already laid out him play calling receivers everything uh, I thought Katron Allen should have been involved more especially at Ohio State uh, only nine carries it, it was just this was a two-game season for Penn State really uh, coming into it because you knew that while Iowa and West Virginia, those night games would have a lot of juice and expectation around them because of the atmosphere, you knew that the season was going to be defined by how do you play against Ohio State, Michigan, and can you beat either of them? You didn't even have to beat both of them, just beat one of them, and, and they couldn't do it, and the offense was the primary issue, and that's why we're sitting here, Bob, at 207 on Monday, and Penn State has two interim co-offensive coordinators and not one full time. Offensive coordinator and James is going to be on the phone quite a bit, you know, whether that's uh, you know calling guys up saying, hey, you interested or, you know, his phone's going to be ringing with people interested in the gig. He's going to be on Zoom talking to people. He's going to have people come in for in persons, NFL, college types, everything, every rock should be turned over in this OC search as James Franklin tries to find the guy uh, to help Penn State get back to where it needs to be. Uh, And and to get to where it needs to be, frankly, Um, and you look at the schedule upcoming in 2024. Yeah, Michigan's not on it, but it doesn't get easier. You've got Ohio State, USC, UCLA, at Wisconsin, at Minnesota. I mean, they got to go on the road. Yeah, yep. So it's it's going to be, and then you still have a game at West Virginia too. You know, again to open the season. So uh, it's going to be a difficult 2024 slate for Penn State to navigate. And for their sake, they're going to be hoping that they have an offense that they can rely on uh, because, you know, they're still going to have talent on that defensive side of the
1: ball, even if there's a few first rounders that leave. All right, Donnie, I have enjoyed this live version of the Blue White Breakdown. Before we wrap it up, I have just two things I want to get to with you just to just to put in perspective how big of a failure. The Penn State offense was in its two biggest games uh, of the season. They scored 27 points against Ohio State and Michigan. Two of those touchdowns were in garbage time when Ohio State and Michigan was, hey, you want to you throw the ball? Well, Hey, you want to score? Just take a minute to do it. Like, or else it would have been actually far, far worse. One other thing is, you tell me if I'm wrong. Alternate theory. James Franklin fired Mike Yurcich on Sunday because he did not want to get asked by Dave Jones about that ridiculous two-point try at the end of the game. Am I correct or am I way off base?
0: 100% correct. <laughs> it was, that, was a, that was a fiery, feisty, chippy exchange. And I would expect nothing less of, of our Dave Jones in a post-game press conference after Penn State loses a big game.
1: Yeah, and if Dave has you dead to rights, which he did, he is not backing off the gas. And there was really I, – I don't know what James was – the explanation was I, – I don't know if I've ever seen a, a weirder, dumber coacher decision than that one. But uh, that I knew it was coming because he was – you were next to him in the press box with me when he – when it ha- well, you actually were on the field. I was with him when, when it happened, and it was like you know, it was like a, a dormant volcano that had sprang to life with lava shooting everywhere. He was so upset, um, and I knew I knew he wasn't going to let James off the hook. But it, it, was. it wasn't just about Mike such making bad decisions on on Saturday against Michigan. James made his fair share of bad decisions as well. But we're not talking about that right now. So maybe. That is the
0: genius of James Franklin. Well, Bob, you mentioned being, me being on the sidelines. When the, <laughs> when, the second, when the second two-point conversion try, when they lined up for it, <laughs> I was standing next to John Sauber of the Center of Daily Times. Credit to John <laughs> for, for breaking the Ursa story. Of really good job by him. Uh, I turned and looked at him, and I said, you know Dave Jones is going nuts in the press box right now, sitting next to Bob. And we just laughed about it, and, and then you know they the, the play they ran was some like, oh, keystone backyard, yeah. whatever you, you know a phrase. I want to say backyard, we're live here, so I can't. Yeah, it was some backyard football play, and I don't know what I don't know what the heck that was. Uh, it was a poor decision, you know, but to to, to try it the way they did, um, yeah. Penn State's eight and three, Bob, or excuse me, eight and two. I, they they hope they aren't going to be eight and three after after the Rutgers game. Uh, we'll see We'll see in the coming weeks
1: where where all this goes. Johnny, you said it best for the whole fiasco. I don't know what that was. You could have been talking about the two-point conversion try late in the game, or you could have just talked about Mike Yursich's offense this year. I don't know what that was. You said, I don't know what that was when you were talking about the two-point try. I think that phrase that you uttered applies to the entirety of Mike Yursich's play calling in the big games in 2020-23 for Penn State. I wonder if Keandre Lambert Smith
0: got the news and started punching air because he doesn't get to throw passes anymore. Because that was a Mike Giersearch special. I, I don't, you know, don't understand why he was in love with those plays. The flea flicker against Michigan didn't work. Uh, the the throwback to Drew actually did work. So credit where credits due. A, a trick play for Mike Giersearch did work there, um, but. It was obvious, and with those two plays, and with whatever he tried against Ohio State, that this offense needed a spark because it couldn't produce passing plays in its normal sets. Like that's when you know you have a real issue on offense is when you have to go to gadget plays that much, uh, and bad uh, gadget plays too. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, yeah, a, a rough final season. Uh, you know, two thirds of a season, whatever you want to call it, for Mike Yersich. Uh, as Penn State's offensive coordinator, James Franklin decides now is the time uh, to make the call to Canem and, and we'll see how this offense responds over the next two games and into a bowl game and and where Penn State goes from here because uh, like we like we've already hammered home they they need to get this higher, right. James Franklin needs to get this higher right.
1: This has been the blue white breakdown brought to you by Penn Live.